2: you have an airbnb your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host
1: i think um i think last time i spoke were you moving hash yeah
3: maybe i was
1: yeah maybe i was
3: i've actually i've moved uh well maybe it was actually into the studio i'm not too sure but uh but yeah i got up, uh yeah i've moved house and uh <laughs> moved uh, moved into a studio over here as well which is nice so just been uh, getting started on new songs really next album i guess nice. um yeah no, it's nice to have a a creative space um you know like everyone i'm sure they've had to either they've moved in with their partner to kind of and have to work at the same spot and they're not used to it either of them or this you know for me and a lot of my friends who are musicians or creatives you know they've uh, relished their partner going to work and having this home to work from and be creative in alone whilst they're away and it's very tough to suddenly have someone there in that creative process who's never never been there before and kind of doesn't understand it in a way or like hasn't got the the patience for it it's quite funny how um, not to go off on a tangent, but it's quite funny to to realize as musicians how much you kind of put your ears through and your brain through, like how much, like things that would grate on other people just don't really grate on you. So I'm playing the same song on repeat effectively, nine to five, you know, trying to write a song, I'm looping melodies, I'm playing the same parts. and And, you know, I'm like, I don't even think about it. But Then you know my, my partner Ali's just like you've got to stop playing that song after like two minutes, and it's understandable because if it was any other song or any other person's work, you'd probably feel the same. But it's it's a weird patience that you've got to have uh, with music, and so is it because you've made it? I, I don't know. Actually, I think I think I'm patient with other people's music as well. I just think you've I've spent the past ten years just doing the same thing, you know, music, and so I'm just used to listening to the same thing over and over again and trying to make it better with each kind of pass and all of that. And so um, so it's been quite funny to reflect, seeing someone else's reaction to it and then you reflecting on it as well, how I'm like, wow, yeah, that is a weird thing to do in your job just to constantly listen to the same piece of music on repeat and try and get it better (laughs) each time and and not let it irritate you or drive you mad.
1: You maybe hear the changes too, though. Like, she's just hearing it as the same thing, but you're hearing all the little kind of minute, like EQ alterations that you're making or whatever.
3: Absolutely. But to to her, to someone else, it is just a grating melody. <laughs> you know, it's just like, it, even if she loves the song, you know, even if she loves the song, it's like, oh, this song's great. But after, after like five listens in the space of like 10 minutes, you know, <laughs> it's like, are you going to stop playing that song now? You know, <laughs> and I heard that a lot today and you're like well I've actually got probably another week's worth of work on it so get ready
1: is that the usual kind of time frame a week to kind of hammer out the initial draft of it Mm.
3: I mean I can spend weeks months on it I mean with this new stuff that I'm kind of writing at the moment because it's just from scratch and I haven't haven't really written from scratch since the last record which was 2018 2017 so it's been a while and so I kind of don't want to get bogged down in like the the fine details and the nitty-gritties. Like it's nice to have a really nice studio and I've got all of this like production gear now, but I don't want to be spending a week on it. I don't want to be spending anything like that. So at the moment I've been trying to do a song every maybe like every 2 days, you know, doing like a maximum 2 days on it. And no matter what state it's in, if 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 it's like so embarrassing, if it was just like a cappella or just like one little melody, as long as there is a basic idea there and there's a structure, I'll move on. And so I'd you know I'd like to kind of for the next couple of months build up this arrangement of like you know I don't know maybe like twenty to thirty songs where I can be like okay I've got like strong foundations and now I can go back through all of them. And then maybe I'll spend like, you know, three or four days on the kind of production, on the tracking of, retracking of instruments or things like that. But at the moment, I'm just trying to like get, it's been so long since I've had that kind of creative flow that I'm trying to like not stifle it by my own, by me being my own kind of worst enemy, being a bit of a perfectionist. So it's just constantly moving.
1: When did you move into the studio that you're in now? uh,
3: End of February, not long ago at all. Okay, so very recent.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Do you yeah. still have, I remember last time you were talking about how you get very excited about things. When something new happens, something kind of exciting happens, mm. you get quite a buzz from it. Is that something you're still feeling with the studio at the moment? Yeah,
3: I mean, compared to what's been happening over the past years, this is like a, a roller coaster, you know, it's, it's, it's very fun. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, not much has changed in the kind of outside world, but it's nice to have a creative space, really, you know, to feel like. To feel like uh, you kind of have that nine to five job. I think that like every creative is somewhat jealous of a nine to five like office job. Like we want that, but at the same time we don't. You know, we still want to be creative, but you still want to you want to have this sense of like purpose. You know, something in a day that's like I've got to turn up. I've got to clock in. And all of that. And it's tough to do that from your own bedroom or your own living room or anything like that. And so, you know, I kind of very much make a point of trying to get in here every day, the same times, try and leave at sensible times, go home for dinner and, you know, the commute of cycling or driving and stuff like that. So I think that's probably the most exciting part of it. I know it sounds dead sad, but like, I just think that sense of, uh, you know, just that sense of like, purpose of like you've got something to do today it's a big thing
1: yeah base to center yourself around
3: yeah absolutely like you know it's um it's tough to some people i think some people probably start uh, probably like strive in unpredictability and they like kind of buzz off that kind of you know making things up as they go and like on their feet whereas i think i'm just i just need like the kind of basics there to work off i just need like the space the time the feeling of needing to be there and all of that so I like you know I like a little bit of stability to work work from
1: it's interesting as well because when you think about it in the context of the music that you've been putting out lately place is such a big theme every song kind of feels like it's centered around a particular environment were they all written in different environments or were you like you say working from the home
3: no I mean well half and half really like to an extent they were written at at a location you know the experience happened at a very specific location the story came from a very specific location but at the end of the day I still yeah took it home to like my bedroom and worked on it from there but I still tried to keep the original location in mind you know like like here you know these songs will be again about place they'll be about you know what's happening here in LA and America and and stuff like that and We've got this new EP coming out as well. And there's, you know, three, four very specific songs about locations and times. And so it will continue to be like that. But I kind of, you know, I need that kind of base to, to kind of bring all these ideas back to this one place. You know, everything flows through me and this place, you know.
1: Yeah. It's almost like putting a physical thing in place to create this cohesiveness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Are you familiar with? the idea of the third place no so you have you've got the home first place second place would be work and the third place would be another place that you go to kind of get social interaction somewhere that you interact with other people that you go on a regular basis used to be church not so much now that religion is kind of going out the door a little bit in the western world i'm intrigued for you what is your third place and has it changed since you moved to la
3: Third place. Yeah. I mean, I can, a a bunch come to mind, but I think I've always been like a social person. I like, I need social interaction to kind of lift spirits, move on with the day, you know, like it's, I'm not the kind of person who can just like see friends at a weekend. You know, I need to try and see someone each day or every other day. And so I think with that comes a lot of locations and you know, I think the tradition of the third place probably in the UK after church was the pub. <laughs> and so, you know, I think, I, I, you know, uh, there's a few a few pubs come to mind back in Liverpool, but here was a, a bit of a change from that. You know, I didn't have the comfort of a pub that I could just walk up to alone and know that at any kind of given time there'll be someone I, I know in there. You know, the odds are that I'll bump into someone. So, you know... Whereas here, this is just a huge place and that just does not happen. And so the third place is, it's tough. There's so many, it's like every time it's different, you know, you have to make a lot of arrangements, you have to plan ahead. And it's, you know, it's restaurants, it's bars, it's parks, it's beaches, it's all of that, which sounds exciting and it is nice. But I do crave that local, you know, I mean, local as in a pub, but also local as just that specific third place. I miss a bit of uh, specificity, you know, in a way. I don't know if that's a word, but... Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> but but yeah, I think I would I, I would like that, you know, over here. But at the moment, it doesn't. But I think in a weird way, that probably helps me and who I am and what I do because it probably keeps it more interesting, really. And there's probably more chance of things... Experiences happening and encounters happening in these foreign new places, you know, so I probably it's probably better that I don't really have a specific kind of local or
1: something Just in terms of like more spontaneity and more unexpected things. happening. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I think so. I think spontaneity is uh, Such a huge thing like I can think back about so many previous ideas that have come for before this last album Majority of my songs came from stories on the road. And I think that is the kind of spontaneity that happens. Things that happen in each city and motels at the side of highways or, you know, just dodgy places, cool places. All of the people you meet, people you love, fight, you know, all the rest of it. So I think, you know, I haven't got that in my life at the moment. So I think the spontaneity probably does come from these new little places to socialize or meet people or yeah spontaneity is probably a big a big thing
1: you feel something flick like creatively when you're like a a switch flick creatively when you're actually in the moment itself when the spontaneous thing happens do you feel something kind of get triggered
3: only since this last album where song uh, where i've made a conscious decision to uh be better in the moment Uh, thinking about these things like this third album was something for me a big point for me where I was like I need to focus on my lyrics I need to focus on what these songs are about these experiences that I'm having I need to put myself out there and I need to experience it and I need to document it uh, as opposed to just like you know rotting in a studio over production loops and uh, you know it being about the production value and not the actual song you know with the last album all of these songs were very specific in what they were about. And there's a song like maybe Actor, for example, where it's just, you know, I had this experience and I was with these kind of like awful people and I was like, oh, fuck these people. (laughs) Like This is the LA that I don't want to be in. And all of that, and there was very much a switch. It might not have come exactly in that moment, but definitely in the kind of ride home in the Uber where I was like, this is what I've been talking to myself about this is where i need to now go home pick up the guitar or lyric book or you know pen to paper and i need to flesh out what i'm feeling what just happened and all of that and so since then that's now the writing style and i'm very happy about it i enjoy it and so if there's ever the if, if there's ever some feeling of just a kind of strong emotion i i definitely try and like take note Either in my phone notes or pen and paper or whatever, and I try and kind of like journaling more. You know,
1: Do you think songwriting makes you observant of things in life that other people maybe wouldn't be. Like what have might just been like the kind of encounter you described there might just have been something that someone experiences in the moment and then writes off, but then you've kind of taken it home and completely honed in on it and unpacked that experience and what it means to you.
3: Yeah, I mean that's music. Yeah, it's just relatable experience. You know, there's reasons why people love artists or love songs specifically and it's just at the end of the day it's relatable and so you know you try and find that experience and you try and keep it not too specific you know you try and keep that general theme of this is what it's about but then you try and put your own kind of experience into it you know the the specific moments so it's this weird kind of balance where you've got like you know so for actor for example it's like you know, the general over, overlying theme is kind of social anxiety or loneliness or, you know, communication or anything like that. And so that's what you're generally trying to get across. But for you, you know, for your own sanity, you need to let go of your own experience and voice it. And so you get your specifics in there. But yeah, so it's this weird kind of tug of war between the kind of specifics and the kind of overall overall themes.
1: Was that the first time you kind of experienced the vapidness of Elliot?
3: Uh no, I've experienced it times. <laughs> <laughs> now there's a uh, there's there's a lot of a lot of funny moments I've had in LA. Uh, I think I think that one was that one just meant more because I had moved there. You know, I've been to, I've been lucky enough to tour the states for the past kind of like eight years, and so I've been over here a lot, and I love it over here. But you know, it's it's a different thing when you're just passing through to you know actually now uh, the pressure was at that point that I was moving here you know I'd moved here I'd left home and I'd left all of my safety nets and social circles and all of that and so there was a pressure on it and so the disappointment of that kind of vapidness was even greater than I'd ever really experienced and so you know because it meant so much more to me that it succeeded
1: does or when do you stop feeling like a tourist when do you feel like a tourist when you first moved there?
3: Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. But um, I, uh, I loved. Uh, I was reading uh, David Burns' uh, bicycle diaries, and he, you know, he was just like a guy who would take his foldaway bike on every single tour he played, you know, throughout his career. And he would just cycle, and he'd cycle, and he'd document it and um, write about it and diary about it. And I think you know there was this general idea that you know you you stop feeling like a tourist when you could be dropped, you know, in a part of it and find your way home. Because obviously he was going back to cities that he played before and stuff, and he became more more and more familiar with them. And then there was a point where he stopped be, stopped feeling like a tourist because you know I could I feel like confidently that I could be dropped in LA you know I could be kidnapped and thrown in the back of a van and you know (laughs) you know once the ransom fails to deliver you know they chuck me out and uh, you know I feel confident that I could you know know where I am east side west side and downtown and all of that and I I I made a big point of well I kind of had no choice but to cycle over here I can't afford a car and I don't really want a car Uh, I love to cycle and so I Get to you know see all the street names. I get to kind of experience all of that in in a bit more of a kind of uh, physical way. And so yeah, I I think that was the point. I think it probably took me about a year to really kind of get my bearings. Really,
1: you're very present when you cycle too. Like if you go for a walk, you're kind of in the moment, but your mind's allowed to wander because there's not as much of a sense of danger. Whereas when you're cycling, if you switch off for a minute, a car could come out of nowhere and. But you're very, especially intimate. in LA yeah.
3: traffic as well. Yeah. So, yeah. And, uh, yeah, even probably even more aware of it because I didn't have insurance as well. So, I think I was very aware of where, yeah, where I was, the roads and the homes. And I think it was quite strange to some people that I was cycling everywhere, you know. But, you know, no matter the distance, it's, uh, it's an experience and you probably get to see a city. You know, it's, I'm, I've always lived in a very, to be honest, like gentrified area. That's not a fair representation of what the city is, and so I think you only get that fair representation by going outside of your comfort zone and cycling around. And you know, I don't claim to know all of the city. You know, there's still areas I've not been, but I still, I feel like I've at least got out of the tourist mode where I'm quite confident with where I am and the kind of true areas of LA.
1: You saying you're saying as well, you know, that you could be dropped in any area and you'd be able to find your way back home. Is that partly as well because all the different kind of sides of LA are quite distinct and different. You're kind of east, west, north, south.
3: Yeah, yeah, definitely. You start to realise there are certain identifiable points by each area. Yeah, for sure, for sure, you know, whether it's architecture or kind of the hills, the the, the kind of nature around it or just, you know, there is... You know the the poorer areas, and uh, you know, especially with the homelessness crisis as well. There's, you know, you can usually kind of tell where you are with with that kind of stuff,
1: and so. Um, you used to be up in Echo Park, didn't you? So not quite, kind of bad up there.
3: Well, yeah, actually, there was protests this morning because they were trying to uh, clear the park, and yeah, really sad. I mean, that's that's always been a tough a tough area. Uh, a beautiful area, but yeah, it's always had, it's, uh, you know, it's kind of homeless communities around, around it. But I mean, with the, with COVID, it seemed to just kind of explode around there. And, you know, it's where they all kind of uh, centered, but like in quite a beautiful way, because, you know, it, it, they I think they were absolutely right to do so. It's the only space in LA. There's not much space, so you have to take what you, what you can get. And, you know, it's at least, you know, charities and Uh, groups could access them all in one go in such like a tough time and so and so yeah the protests here this morning because the city just wanted to kind of kick them out now now that everything's improving and so it's a bit of a it's a bit of a shit show really it's it's weird to go from I remember before I moved to LA and I think my mum and dad were with me in Liverpool and we were walking up one of Liverpool's main streets and we maybe saw like Three homeless people on the streets. I think me and my dad were saying like, "Wow, it's like just you know a few more like you know it's kind of growing here," and like I never would have nothing kind of prepared me for going from like three or four people on a street in in Liverpool to you know tens of thousands here. It's like mind blowing, and it's like sad. Sad as fuck. And uh, it's so tough to wrap your head around. And like
1: tens of thousands. Yeah. Like when you think about that number. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And I mean, it's, I think it only gets worse, you know, the more north you go with San Francisco and, and places like that. So it's, I mean, that's been like an eye opening experience over here, seeing that with your own eyes. And so, and it's important to, that's basically coming around to what we we're talking about. It's important to see those things. And I feel like, you know, yeah, it's it's you know it's bad in Echo Park but fucking out it's bad in downtown in Skid Row in South Central and so you're only going to get to see that and wrap your head around it if you get out there, and, you know. I think cycling has been a big thing for going to see those places and see what's happening there and to kind of educate myself further on what's
1: happening, you know. Do you ever become accustomed to it or is it still something that kind of shocks you on a daily basis?
3: Still shocks me. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's kind of sad. But um, but yeah, I mean, everyone needs to be made aware of it.
1: Can you see it changing?
3: I don't know. See, this is the thing. And uh, like, you know, so many friends, uh, conversations with friends about how do you, how do you like fix this? They've been let down so, so badly. And like, part of you thinks it's like past this point of no return, but then at the same time, I think that that's not true for anything. Um, and it's just got to be this major uh, shift of focus, you know. You see, it's, I mean, it's 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 tough because you see the kind of figures of how much it would cost to make a huge change in these things, and it's a drop in the water compared to what like you know certain figures make, but money-wise, or what the American government spend on military and all of this stuff it's
1: priorities and it's you know it's that whole kind of 30 billion would solve world hunger thing wouldn't it yeah i'm pretty sure that's the stat yeah it's i crazy. mean crazy
3: there's people who make that in a year you know
1: yeah there's that i remember there used to be a twitter account which was called has jeff bezos and world <laughs> hunger yet yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah ended
3: world hunger today and it was yeah. like no no yeah and so that's it things can be like as much as you're led to believe i think that it's past the point of no return and you know we've got california governors and the city mayors that are like oh it's you know it's bad and of course it is bad but they're saying it in this kind of defeatist way where nothing can be done about it whereas you know something can be done with it you know it's uh, it, it can be fixed and so it's about you know getting the majority of people educated and aware of it and i don't know i'm just a Again, musician but <laughs> like, like, but it's it's, uh, it's been a, it's been a big thing for me to experience not just the the good nice side of LA but also the, the tough side of it
1: and trying, darkness
3: yeah absolutely there's a lot of it it's a dark city yeah
1: you recorded up in um, one of the songs in this new record was up in Echo Park wasn't it one of the live versions
3: uh yeah yeah that was uh, that,
1: was a- actor no
3: No, that was stay in LA. That one,
1: stay in Um, LA. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Yeah, that was you know pre pre pandemic. Everything was nice, and yeah, I spent a lot of time in Echo Park. Had one of uh, there was a cafe in the center of the park called Beacon that did one of my favorite breakfast burritos. So (laughs) I saw this because you've got your map. Oh yeah, that's... You I did mean, your that, lap
1: of LA and you've kind of marked it all your food hotspots.
3: I mean, that one was like, it wasn't a breakfast burrito in the traditional way. It was like the kind of very like gentrified, posh breakfast burrito. <laughs> but you've got to appreciate that as well. You know, there's certain places I go for the the real deal stuff and there's places I go for the bougie, you know, white gentrified shit. And so Echo Park had that, you know, I'd uh, it was so close to me. I could kind of roll out of bed hungover and... Know, go sit at the park and watch the swan boats and have you know uh, overpriced, you know posh breakfast burrito and it was great.
1: Is a burrito <laughs> what for. you want when you're hungover? Ah,
3: absolutely, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean anything. I mean any any Mexican food will fix a hangover, but um but a br- also
1: cause a hangover.
3: Maybe, <laughs> maybe, but I can't get enough of it, so. <laughs>
1: Are you quite a big foodie? Because that, that map is, like, covered and Yeah. Know, so it was like a little map that you made. You kind of marked out all your food, food hotspots and where all the tracks from the album came from. But there's, like, 30 food hotspots or something you've kind of marked out on it.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I love food. Food has always been a big thing for me. I love to cook. I love to... I don't know. It's like, it's a bit of a kind of get away from music. But, yeah, like, experiencing other cultures, other foods has has been, like, the single greatest bit about the job you know I get to touring is one thing going to the city is one thing but like getting to like you know sit down for a meal with your mates and experience like a dish or a culture that you've never experienced before and you know the big part for me the big amazing thing of moving over here has been Mexican food I've never you know you think you've had it And then you come here and you have it have it and it's kind of life changing a bit and it's everything that you kind of want it to be you know it can be expensive it can be fancy it can be kind of dinner it can be quick lunch it can be kind of healthy it can be snack snack it can be dirty breakfast to cure a hangover it can be cheap as you want it it can be everything and so the songs that i wrote for that album you know there was direct experiences but most of those experiences also had a food kind of related to them you know be it where i was eating that night or you know the that third place you know the restaurants the cafes or whatever and so yeah food's food food's a huge thing for me and that i think will will always be yeah
1: does it evoke memories in a different way to music what you're saying they're like you'll kind of get completely tied back to what you're reading at that time is that a different kind of feeling or is it very much a similar thing
3: i think it's a different i think it's a different feeling i don't really know what it is i got really homesick a few days ago Well, i've been homesick for the past few weeks unfortunately i lost i lost my nan and due to covid and travel restrictions and all of that i couldn't I couldn't make it home in time to go to the funeral and I wouldn't have been able to go back come back to America and so it was a horrible kind of ordeal with all of that. And so I've been a bit homesick for the past few weeks but you know food has kind of brought me out of it, you know, in the sense of friends taking me out to just kind of distract me and share a meal and you know you kind of uh, you go over these amazing memories that you have of that person with food. You know, you talk about the, what she used to feed me as a kid, you know, every Sunday and all of this kind of stuff. And they evoke this, I think it's maybe sometimes a bit more personal than music. It's direct. It's like, it's like tangible.
1: Is it cause of the sense it's linked to like music is obviously linked to hearing, but food is linked to taste, it's linked to smell. Yeah, it's kind of tapping absolutely. into more senses.
3: I think so. I just generally see it as a more tangible thing than music. And so I just think it's far more personal and direct. And I think when I was, you know, homesick the other day, I was missing my home in Stoke and my parents. And I was chatting to Ali, my girlfriend about, we were talking about like what we, you know, local foods and stuff like that. And we have these things called oat cakes. And and I was just like, you know what? I've never, I've never made them. I've only ever bought them. Um, They're just like a basic kind of like fermented kind of pancake. And I was like, you know what, fuck, I'm just going to make them. And so I kind of poured my heart and soul into making them for hours. And it was that whole process of like cooking them, making them the batter, all of that, fermenting them overnight, going to sleep, waking up in the morning and having these fresh oat cakes that I can think of every, having them like every single day before school as a kid and all of this stuff and then sending photos to my parents of like, look, I made them and they tasted like my <laughs> childhood. And it saved me, like it really did this past week, just doing that one thing. And so I don't think a song could save me in that way.
1: Could anything else, out with music and out with food, are there other things that you can kind of turn to that time?
3: Apart from physical presence, I don't think so. You know, like, an, you know, actually being with someone, the activities of being someone, but... I think uh no I think I think food's probably the most personal of all kind of creative areas like music and art and I can't really think of anything else that 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 would do it like food does yeah I don't know I weirdly have that image of uh, ratatouille you've seen the film ratatouille uh yeah of course <laughs> but like you know it's that ending of like you know that flash you know that taste of the ratatouille and it, going back and I just feel like I experienced that far more with food than I ever have with music.
1: What's the closest you've gotten with music, do you think?
3: I mean, music I've always seen as more of a... It's like, for me, it's therapy. It's a way of, like, letting out something. And so I think that's different to food because I think food is more of, like, a memory-based of, like, a experience, the cooking, the eating, and, you know, remembering, whereas I think actually... Music, in a way, is kind of forgetting. It's a way of kind of like getting something off your chest, of kind of letting go of an experience or an emotion.
1: Yeah. I get what you're saying that. you know, that music is letting something out, food is very much taking something in. Mm-hmm. But then if you have... We were speaking about the idea of the third place earlier. I Say your third place is uh, a music venue. Is that kind of more so taking something in when it's like an actual kind of tangible experience yeah, like that?
3: Maybe, but I think... And this is, you know, up for debate, but I think that no musician will ever understand what it's like to be like a true fan of something. And so I can't say that would ever happen to me because I don't think it will, because I think that I'm too far down the road of being a musician and my own music and judging things in a way that I could never be a fan. Like I sometimes I think about like fandom and it like blows my mind how someone could be, you know, be such like so into this artist and, and my girlfriend Ali she's not she's not a musician and so she has you know she has this fandom over certain artists and stuff like that and I see it and I th- I love it but I don't think I could ever share the same I mean I have I have favorite artists I have inspirations and I have influences do I share that same fandom not at all it's it's strange I think I don't know why I don't know where that line's drawn but but yeah, I think I can only ever be a creator, not really a taker of it. I'll enjoy music. Of course, I'll listen to music, but, but yeah, I couldn't be a fan.
1: Have you always felt that way? Like, do you very much feel like there are people in the world who are creators and make stuff and then people who are consumers and take stuff in? And it's only the consumers that can really be have the ultimate fandom? I think so,
3: yeah. Not really thought about it too much before, but I think now, I, how you've just put it, I, I think so. I think there's like a, a difference between a creator who consumes and just a consumer. Yeah. That that I will never fully experience. I don't think. I don't think I will. I don't think I have and I don't think I will.
1: At what point do you feel like you realised that you were a creator and that you needed to make stuff to be fulfilled?
3: I mean, for the most part of my life as a kid I was very heavily in sports that was like my career at one point and what I wanted to do and I think it might not be creating in the sense of like writing a song or building something but I think you create in sports you kind of create opportunities for yourself and you create teamwork and you create these kind of like moments of bonding with with people and so I think I've always been a kind of like team player collaborator wanting to Wanting to do something physical, Um, and when that obviously kind of came to an abrupt stop, uh, you know, I had other things in my life, and I was studying like product design at school, and I enjoyed working with wood, albeit very badly, you know, but you know, enjoyed making terrible coffee tables and stuff like that, Um, and then it kind of moved into you know physically, you know, playing a guitar and a keyboard and making something a bit you know not as physical but like you know a song more emotional and so i think i've always kind of had that um yeah for most of my life i'd say
1: yeah it sounds like you had that urge to kind of design like what you're saying about making the coffee table, which is a little bit different to is the songwriting itself then almost like expressing yourself and letting something out and then the designing part comes in after when you're kind of looking at it from a production sense and kind of sculpting it a little bit more
3: yeah i think so i mean I think of like building a melody or building a harmony in the same sense as I would build a table. It's all got like layers and it all has to fit together in a very kind of specific way. Um, you know, if you want it to be structurally sound, you know, you you know, the tuning and the harmonies and the, the intervals and all of that. So I think I do think of it in the same sense as building something physical.
1: Yeah, it brings up, you know, where we're speaking about how each song is a very distinct story earlier on, how it's linked to a specific place and a specific experience. Mm-hmm. When it comes to looking at the designing of it in the context of that, do you almost let the kind of story run for as long as it needs to and then you kind of look at it and try and sculpt it, like lyrically? Mm. Or how does that process kind of function where you condense that story into like a kind like of pop song format, if you know what I mean?
3: Yeah, I mean, in that in terms of that format, I think it's, you know, we were talking about that balance between specific and kind of overall themes and I think that comes structurally in a song of I would say or at least my method would be that a verse is for the specifics and the chorus is for the overall themes and so you know you think about this experience and you know the verses I'll take those opportunities to be very specific of like exactly what happened on that night or those exact feelings emotionally and try and outline the scenario and be a bit more kind of descriptive whereas the chorus i think is your opportune moment to with a strong kind of melody to get across this overall theme whatever that may be you know but i do think verse chorus, you know traditional pop songs you know first chorus first chorus middle eight chorus you know i i I think of those as the kind of you them you them whatever them kind of thing you know it's um that kind of push and pull
1: do you need to identify the kind of core themes then before you start working on the song so you can allow it to kind of flow through both i think it like you say there
3: i think you kind of know or at least i do when when i whenever i'm like approaching a song like these demos that i've been writing over the past month you know i i haven't put vocals or lyrics on them or anything but I know in my head I know what each one will probably have as the overall theme or the story that I've got in mind that I want to go to and so I don't need to put lyrics on them now I don't need to go specifically into writing verses and choruses or melodies and stuff like that I just need to have this loose idea of what they're going to be about and I know that that will be the overall theme and i'll kind of relive those stories as as and when i come to to write the lyrics
1: so you'll complete the entire soundscape before you put the lyrics on top
3: yeah not even com- not even complete the soundscape just kind of reserve a spot it sounds weird but just reserve a spot in my head for knowing that i've got something down and what it can be about it's like i've you know a lot of these songs you know i I, I usually spend my mornings going through my voice memos on my iPhone um, because that's where I'll often mumble, me- mumble melodies or anything like that and sometimes you know, I'll go through them and I'll label, you know. So none of the songs have got even names. They're like new recording 13 and all of that stuff. And it's not, I don't even have to go down the production value. I don't have to do anything. I just need to know that that itch has been kind of itched. You know, there is something on here. There's something on this phone. They got me excited. They got me kind of feeling creative. And, you know, now I need to, now I need to just make sure that that sees the light of day. And so I've put it down on my computer and I'll I'll reserve that spot, you know, and I'll, I'll come back around to it. And that's what it's about. It's just, you know, kind of creating these moments or quick ideas, fleshing them out a little bit and then, not putting too much pressure on them, getting everything out that you want to get out and then coming back around with a kind of finer comb to, to really kind of hone in on what it was and what, why, it, why it felt good to you.
1: One of the things you do on this last record as well is you kind of have this like sonic tension it's maybe a little bit of a pretentious way to describe it, <laughs> where, where you have you have like the acoustic side to it, mm-hmm. and you also have the electronic. Like you quite often have like electronic drum beats, mm-hmm. kind of the acoustic guitar, and they're kind of going nicely against each other. Is that something you identify quite early on? Because it kind of carries throughout all of the songs. I'm wondering at what point do you kind of pick out these threads that kind of connect them all together.
3: To a degree, yes. To a degree, that's thought of. But at the same time, I like to leave a little bit of room for spontaneity. There's a reason why I'm going to this recording studio to work with these musicians. You know, I don't want to have everything figured out. I want them to have their input. And so, in a way, you know, you can as much as you say, like, I want there to be, you know, some feeling of sonic tension or, like, something in this moment, I'll try and get it down as best as I can get it down. But at the same time, I want to allow them to do what they do and to be honest usually well i think in the case of this this record you know there were some restrictions to the studio it wasn't a glitz and glamour recording studio with every bit of software and every single instrument and stuff like that the guys very much turned up like a live band with their live gear up, and so there was like restrictions which i appreciated because i'm someone who can go far far too deep down the rabbit hole if i given all of these kind of toys and feeling like i need to use all of them on one song you know uh, and so i think the 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 thread throughout the songs and the sonic thread came mostly from the guys and the restrictions in what they had
1: had you were you familiar with those musicians as people before the process
3: no but i'm very glad i am now i think uh the they're, the they're, they're the greatest bunch of guys i've ever been you know, I had the pleasure of playing with. I think they're incredible.
1: Are you going to work with them again going forward?
3: I'd love to. We did this EP together, which is out in, I think, a month or so. And yeah, they're four tracks that we were lucky enough to just get down before another lockdown. And and yeah, I'm thrilled with them. And it was even funner to go back and play those tracks with them. You know, I kind of, kind of wrote those after the album, after working with those guys, and I found myself... Writing the song that I wanted to write, but I definitely had been influenced by them. There was like certain elements that I'm like, I know Cameron's gonna love playing this song, or I know that Alan's gonna really kill this part, or like he'll he'll kind of flourish in this moment. And so it's cool to to have those feelings because often enough, often enough, you know, it's a bit lonely being a songwriter. You know, I work on my own, and and uh, I'd. I just satisfy me with these parts. And there's only so much I can do on a guitar. There's only much I can do on a keyboard. And so to be surprised like that, to get to work with like world class players is, you know, it's, it's just buzz.
1: It's interesting that you bring up that idea that you were kind of in your mind when you were writing them and you were thinking of them. So I was going to ask is the spontaneity different the second time around when you're more accustomed to them as people? They're, ty-
3: they're the type of guys that I think will always surprise me. I think they're, they're at a level where they, I think, are some of the greatest session musicians going. And, you know, they are kind of big fish in a small pond. You know, they chose to stay in, in, in Richmond. But I think, you know, if they were in a big city, they would be up there with the best of them, you know. And so I think, yeah, I think I will continue to be surprised by all of those guys, which is great. And I try not to think too much about it as well. Like, I don't, like... I don't put too much pressure on, like, going there to be surprised or anything like that. I just try and keep a kind of cool head, and then whatever happens, happens.
1: We were kind of speaking about the tension on the the Grand Plan record itself, there as well, with the acoustic and electronic. You kind of have a similar tension on this new live LP with the full band performances and the solo performances. You kind of again, you have this juxtaposition there. Are are you able to perform these songs solo, you know, acoustically in a way which you perhaps wouldn't have been able to do as effectively with some of your previous work?
3: Yeah, I mean, the big thing about this whole move to America, the whole Grand Plan album, was it was all born from the fact that I felt that I couldn't play my own songs alone. I'd become so dependent on the band, on the production on the writing style that i had at the time that i was kind of like set myself up to lose really Uh, i wanted to go on tour alone i wanted to like do all of that stuff but the songs could not be the songs without the production without the band members without all of that because when you just strip them back they were shit (laughs) like you know some (laughs) of my songs as much as i love them i love some of my songs but oh my god you take away You know that's the sign of a good song the sign of a good song is that you can take all of the layers out of it you can take all the production off of it and you can just sit down on one instrument you can play it and it's still a great song now for me majority of my songs they're not like there are a couple there are a couple of big songs where i'm like yeah they're still good songs to play alone but man i couldn't put together a 30 minute set and i'm like how am i not able, I call myself like a professional musician, a solo artist, a songwriter, how can I call myself that when I can't even put together like a 25 minute set and I've got like three albums out, you know, worth of material. And so it was kind of like, it was kind of embarrassing, to be honest, I had a moment this of embarrassment. Is, this is
1: pre-Grand Plan though?
3: Yeah, pre-Grand Plan.
1: Oh, you, oh, so you. when you say Three albums, you're talking about like EPs and stuff EPs as well? EPs and okay, bonus okay, tracks yeah, yeah. and
3: all of that kind of stuff. And so, yeah, I was like embarrassed. I, l- I had a very literal moment where I was embarrassed on stage, where a friend had asked me to do a 25-minute set on my own and I could barely get through it. It was embarrassing. And so I moved to LA to concentrate on me, to like be kind of reunited with the influences that I love, like James Taylor and carol king and joni mitchell and all those laurel canyon people all of that to like try and just get better at playing alone and so all of these songs all of the demos that didn't even make the album for grand plan but all the tracks that are on there all of them are able to be played solo because that was the big thing for me it was like cool taking it to space bomb these guys kind of rock out on them amazing but at the same time i got to be able to Stand in Echo Park in first thing in the morning and play them and feel get in
1: the back of a taxi
3: get in the back of a taxi and i've got to feel and i've got to feel confident about it and they've got to come across well and i I think they do I hope they do, but like for me, I feel satisfied because I'm like for the first time in my career after like what like ten years, I feel like I could do a decent thirty minute gig on my own, <laughs> which is so weird to say out loud, but it's the truth and i can't wait you know once all of this is over to go out on the road alone and like have some kind of life you know building experiences on my own and feel confident and and all of that and so uh, so yeah that was that was that album exactly for that reason
1: did the moment of satisfaction in success and realizing that you would achieve that come when you were recording some of these live performances
3: oh yeah for sure yeah the the wild honey pie ones especially because they were very much solo once we um identified the tracks that we wanted to use for grand plan i did actually go back over them and record stripped down versions of them just to kind of be sure for my own kind of like sanity's sake that i wasn't you know building on top of foundations that were rocky you know that weren't good and so yeah i had a bit of a feeling of like oh i can play these alone but yeah the the Wild Honey Pie ones, because they were very much solo. And then we also did two, uh, two gigs over here in LA, the Moroccan Lounge, where that was, you know, like a 40 minute gig solo. And it felt good. Felt fucking uh, nervous, you know, but it felt incredible to be like, oh, now I feel like I can call myself a solo artist. And like, it's taken 10 years to get there. Like, but, but yeah.
1: I wanted to, um, I wanted to wrap us up on a question I asked you last time, because so the record had just come out when we spoke last time, and I asked, after this kind of period of intense change, you know, moving 5,000 miles away, with where you are in your life after such a period of intense change, what's most important to you as both a creative and as a person, and then how does that impact your music? Last time you said it, you felt like that was something that you were in the process of transitioning toward and that you were still hunting for. Have you got into a place now where you're aware of what that is? I mean,
3: all that, all that kind of matters at the moment is, uh, I mean, off the back of being away from my family for the longest I've ever been without. I think the longest I'd ever not seen my family was maybe like five months, and now it's been a year and a year and six months. And with my nan passing and all of that, I just think like, I'm, all that's come to light is just how important family is really, and communication and friendship and all of those things that people have probably taken for granted. And there's probably bubble to the surface now due to the kind of times that we're in. And so after all of this time and all of these transitions, it's just about relationships, about maintaining relationships and friendships and family. And that's, that's the anchor of it all really, of, of careers and travel and all of that stuff it all anchors around strong foundations really
1: you know when covid first started off a lot of people or not even when it started off you know the whole way through people have spoken about how they've lost a lot of these connections and they've lost touch with people was the fact that you went through this kind of realization and unpacked all this on an album after you moved about a year before this did that enable you to kind of preserve connections when it came and not make the same mistakes that other people did
3: yeah i think so it's kind of yeah, funny way of putting it. I I I hadn't thought about that, but now that you say it, I do think that I'd lost people when I'd moved here. You know, I've people that I thought I was close to have never checked in or you know not responded to back home, not responded to messages and all of that. So I feel like I've I lost those kind of little mini friendships, those out outskirts friendships. Um, And so, yeah, so it's definitely, you know, when the when the pandemic hit, I've I've kept those around me like very close. Yeah.
0: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen.